Right, so we're going to have to cut the beginning of the video off because I forgot what I was doing. Because <laughs> you said, oh, shit. <laughs> and because I'm I so forgot cool. I need to press this thing first, don't I? Right, you ready? I'm going to press yes. this. Hello and welcome to the Y Debate with Mike Martin and Callum Roy. Hello. So this week we we went back to the old book idea, which which is yeah. pretty cool. Um, we did what's the book called again? It's called Waking Up by Sam Harris. We've got this lovely shiny cover. Beautiful, yes. Sunny day. It's lovely. What does the thing across the bottom of it say? It says searching for spirituality without religion, which without is religion. Yeah, which is kind of, well, that sort of sums up the book quite well. It's it's about Sam Harris's take on spirituality. And, you know, every, the, there's more people every day are saying that they're spiritual, non-religious. And we've talked about this before, right? Like the separation between spirituality and dogmatic religion and how I think spirituality is becoming more popular, but religion is dying. Just kind of a strange concept, but he's sort of explaining why and also how uh, to achieve spirituality without religion. How do you feel about religion? Um, well, I've, I think religion in, in general, I think very important part of our psyche, I think, is to have something that is of a religious kind of sort. I think people are religious about football teams. I think people are religious about, I think we don't, I think we lack the language to explain what a religion like, you know what exactly religion is yeah. i think we because he says in the book about cults we've talked about cults a lot before about how like a, a religion is just you know a cult that gets popular or stops being persecuted and it's like mormonism is barely a religion it was basically a cult but like scientology still a cult um and yeah i think that really when you look at it from a broader perspective you have a if it wasn't for the spiritual element of the religion, then it would just be a football team or it would just be a political party. doesn't really make that, doesn't really change a yeah, huge amount. Um, but the, in a much more insulting way, but go on, sorry, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, it's, not that I don't, I, it's not that I think religion is, is stupid or anything. I, d I don't think it's stupid. I think there are very, very illogical, stupid elements of religion. Um, I think that I, I'm... I really respect when people live by a, a code. Um, they have a, a, a moral code or a spiritual code that they try and live by. I think that's, that's admirable. I think that's great a lot of the time, but I do think that, you know, quite clearly it's, it's demonstrably it's happened that <laughs> these things did get out of hand and you end up with like dogmatic stuff. Like I'm sure it's part of somebody's code that they're willing to die for, to achieve a certain religious goal, and I just think it's completely absurd. Yeah, like if you you're blowing yourselves up, isn't it? So I mean, yeah, right, yeah, exactly. And, and if you look, if you look at the source material too, like of these religions and what they actually want, it's really like you find a lot of conflicting kind of information in there, and it's like it's clear that people have just added to these texts over and over again. I think it's. I think we live in a world that changes all the time. And if you're not willing to like change a little bit, <laughs> then you're going to end up with these horrible situations where you're like, no, we stay in this past. We die on this hill. It's like, really? Like, it's kind of weird. It's like, uh, for example, um, I think it's called kosher. Is it kosher meat? Like the, the slit the throat of the animal and hang it upside down to drain the blood out of it. And it seems like barbaric in this time. But I think Ben Shapiro was on Joe Rogan and he was talking about like, oh, you know, I only eat like this type of meat because I'm, I'm Jewish and blah, blah, blah. And when Joe was like, yeah, like it's kind of strange that that's still a, a thing that people do that. And he was like, well, it's the most humane way to kill an animal. Is it? I think a bomb. No, not anymore. But it almost certainly was 
back in the day before a bolt gun was invented or before something like that was invented. And also, if you cared that much about the humane treatment of animals, you just wouldn't eat meat, right? Just, uh, you see what I mean? Like, it just doesn't make... <laughs> fuck animals. See, I, 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 yeah, I guess, I guess my, 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 my view on religion is it's, it's stories created by men to control other men and people follow it I, I think it's dangerous i think i think um religion people can f think whatever they want to think and they can believe in whatever they want to believe in it's totally up to them however i feel that religion is very very dangerous um and i wish it had all go away um in my opinion but people yeah if, if it did all go away then i guess societies wouldn't have been built the way we've looked at it because people are inherently selfish and because they're inherently selfish and scared of things for themselves, people have used these scriptures that have been created by men to control other men to scare them into doing as they're told, which has helped us build kingdoms and societies and, and all the rest of that stuff. So, but I think it's fucking dangerous and I don't like any of it. Yeah. I think that there's a, I think that people have become quite, I think they've seen how dangerous it is. But I also think that living without any form of spirituality can also be really dangerous. Yeah, but spirituality is different. I mean, for, right. for reading this, I've just I've I found out that. But know, for a very long time, you couldn't have you couldn't separate spirituality from religion because because of the way that religion is set up, like the control element of it. If you tried to gain any kind of spirituality from outside of religion, you'd probably be killed because you'd be going against like the the gods sort of dogma of the time. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I think that that's. Yeah, that's my point. Do you, do you feel that religious people believe in, in 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 a higher power, and spiritual people love to get wasted on LSD and things like that? And and the spiritual side is very drug driven. So in the in the book, Sam Harris says, and I think this is a really good um, analogy. He says like enlightenment like i think people are looking for they're looking to become enlightened or they're looking to find like that that knowledge that sort of takes them to the, the next level of understanding themselves and other people and like why we're here and what's the point um and he says like if you want to reach sort of a meditative enlightenment you can meditate for years um or <laughs> you could take a substance like lsd or like dmt or magic mushrooms or something like that and yep. it's the analogy is like that's like strapping yourself to a rocket ship have you uh, ever whereas... met anybody or read anything about spiritualism that doesn't involve taking drugs because i haven't uh i'm trying to think yeah probably i i think yeah from a religious i think like the old religious spirituality doesn't mention drugs but we looked at the book um like the immortality the key yep. and they were talking about how like originally all of this stuff was about drugs um but that but we we do that right we try to alter our consciousness to to understand more about you know at the end of the day like uh, even if you take these drugs the effect that it has on you should be achievable without the drug is just be extremely hard to achieve because yeah, the chemicals are already in your brain. You've got all the inhibitions stopping you. Whereas as soon also as... Also true. I think as soon as you take certain drugs... I remember the first time I ever took ecstasy. And mm. and it's the the, the, the rush of, of, oh my God, and how I just loved everybody. Like everybody was like, oh my God, I love you so much. You're the best person. You're my best friend. You're the best this. You're the best... And the next day it was like, people are laughing at you. Like, what the fuck was you saying last night? And it's like, yeah, man, I was yeah. off my tits. But did you really? <laughs> yeah. But like deep down, do you think you really did feel like that, or do you yeah. think that our? Yeah, I, I think that that's. Uh, I yeah, think, I think that that is. Deep down, I felt uh, like that, but it? your inhibitions wouldn't allow you to to act like that. Yeah, alcohol turns me into an asshole. Like, like I always want to fight when I'm drunk. So I don't know if that breaks down your inhibitions. But I think I've got a problem with alcohol. Well, I know I've got a problem with alcohol, but I think I've got a problem when I drink that it turns me into somebody I'm not. Whereas drugs turns you into the person that you really are, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, drugs is a very broad sort of 
thing isn't it like again like religion i think language is kind of limiting us there a bit like drugs in a way some some definitely i feel the same way like i think that a person in their most relaxed attuned like chilled out state is that person that is the kind of you know like that is the reflection of them that is their sort of inner self that you would want to get to know or that that they would want you to get to know you know that's everyone at their sort of baseline so if you can find that state you know if you can meet someone in that state due to drugs or get to that state easier due to drugs rather than like you know it's a bit of a cheat code rather than getting to know someone for like seven years so they completely relax in your company or like do you know what i mean like it helps you uh be the kind of person so i i think that that's and it's all to do with setting as well because if you take certain substances in a like people take magic mushrooms and party and I, that blows my mind because i'm like what how could you i would go to hell <laughs> like, yeah. i would literally go straight to hell but maybe if i did take magic mushrooms at a party i wouldn't go to hell because of the way that the it would affect me in that setting maybe it would just you know there would be like a I think magic mushrooms would be good in one of them flotation tanks. I have a flotation tank story. Oh, I thought you were going to say you had a flotation tank then. I was going to say I'll buy it off you. (laughs) (laughs) Go on, sorry. Um, I have a flotation tank story. My friend did a flotation tank and he uh, was really like the psychological element of it, of just being like completely alone with his thoughts and like the therapeutic nature of it was something that he really wanted to tap into because we were young we were probably like 19 we'd just gone to thailand um for the first time and we were training in a muay thai gym and there was a, there was a like a one of those tanks just up the street somewhere and he he had this girl he couldn't get over her and he had like a few things in his life he had hang-ups about and he was like you know what i really want to do this tank so he like thought that this would answer all of his problems or it would do, do nothing that was kind of like the way that i was looking at it and he was looking at it apparently he got into this tank and like two or three minutes in instead of like total relaxation he had the sensory deprivation tank version of a bad trip where he was like literally like reliving moments from his past and being like oh fuck like this is why this person doesn't like me or this is why i can't get it this girl to like me this is where it all went wrong this is why she doesn't view me as like a potential partner and this is why my life isn't on the right track and he had like a really like harrowing experience with it where like being on his own and with his own thoughts like kicked his ass and he thought it would be like really enlightening and it was in a way but sometimes i guess enlightenment is like enlightenment his fucking life yeah he was like oh now i understand and i hate myself more (laughs) yeah and that's kind of what the book is all about it's all about meditation enlightenment it's all about um figuring out you yeah the I, the self, um, and it's kind of like what's at the base. He talks a lot as well about what's like at the what's behind it all. You know, like where he says, um, if you when you're meditating, if, the more you look for the I, the the self, the more you will conclusively fail to find it. So like you just won't, you won't be able to even find it. Nobody, nobody knows what consciousness. Nobody can explain consciousness. They don't. Mm. They don't get it. Nobody. What is consciousness? What, what? What? Do you not? Can you even think about ex, trying to explain what consciousness is? No. I mean, I would go. I would go so far as to say, like, I'm not. I don't have any real knowledge about like neuroscience and stuff like that. So I'll probably not be using the right language. But consciousness is, I would say, the knowledge or the awareness that you are experiencing an experience. Right, so so we went on right. The, the the way he approached this was was genius. You know what split brain is now? Yes. Oh, that's so cool. The split brain brain thing blew my mind. Yes, it's like okay. So it's like it, basically, he basically explains it. You got like these little tentacles between your two um, <laughs> left and right tentacles. side of your brain. Yeah, yeah. They connect it together so they can talk to each other. Um, it's called the corpus callosum. There you go. Fucking big words. I prefer then, tentacles. I think tentacles, yeah, tentacles is cooler. The tentacles, man. The little tentacles. It's like it's like it's, it's yeah. Um, and they connect the left and right side of your brain. But mm-hmm. but what they found is people with um that thing where when it when lights flash and they go and they have a fit. What's that called? Epilepsy. Uh, they have epilepsy. Yeah. People with epilepsy. He said what they can do is they can slice through the brain 
um, and dis- disconnect one side from the other. And then both sides of the brain then work independently of each other, right? Mm-hmm. And because of this, you can then, you can do stuff um, and not remember. So, so you, somebody could turn around and say to you, uh, they could show you something and 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 you wouldn't remember seeing it through one eye because you, the way you think, or you could write it with your hand and you wouldn't remember writing it with your left side of your brain, but your right side would remember. Um, and basically, you can you can do stuff without remembering learning it. So that's why people who have the brain split still understand language and still understand certain things, but they don't know how they learned it, and yet they can have um, what's it called where you forget everything amnesia amnesia yeah they can have amnesia so they don't know who they are they don't know who the, the wife and kids are they don't know um anything about their life what they did as a job they don't know but they know their name no no they don't know the name they know um like how to speak they know how to write they know how to function they know how to walk around and do things and they don't remember how they learned it and and this split brain thing was kind of shows you that that one side of your brain and your other side of your brain kind of work completely independently and because they can speak to each other, they um, they work as one kind of. And yeah. I've got some great questions about this. Once you've let me know what you think about that. Yeah, no, I think it's cool. Like the one, the there's like a couple of like experiments they did with it, which I thought were really fascinating. And one is that like they asked a split brain patient what he wanted to do, and he grew up, and he said like, I want to be an engineer. And then they asked him to write down what he wanted to do when he grew up, and he wrote down racing driver, and like he so like his the part of his brain that controlled speech wanted to be an engineer but the part of his brain that controlled writing wanted to be a racing driver and like that he like if you asked him like why did you write that he wouldn't be able to tell you because no idea well no because the part of his brain that controls speech doesn't know why he wrote it but if you wrote down why did you write that he probably would be able to write a response but he wouldn't be able to speak it. It's it's super weird. Um, but so basically, it kind of proves that they have two different goals. And if you have two different goals and you're experiencing things in two different ways, but in your brain, in the same kind of, you know, in the, in the same organ, in the same body, do you have two consciousnesses? Like, is could you realistically then say to a doctor, like, you know, the right side of my brain is trying to you know hijack my life and i want you to get rid of it could they do it ethically shut down the right side of your brain because would they be extinguishing a an independent consciousness you know if, what was the ethics of that if you shut down one side of your brain and not the other are you still you well which one is you already both of you. Well, this is the, i've got i've not actually written down many notes for this book i've written down questions so one of the questions yeah. i've written down is if you Go lose on. your memories yeah are you still you Mm, yeah really really interesting if you lose I mean, all your memories are you still you yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's like yes and no i guess is the answer because okay, so I've, got, I've got another question then if you get cloned and the clone has all your memories mm-hmm. is the clone you well that would depend on whether the the original you still exists all right what if you shot yourself in the head and the only thing that fucking remained was the clone that had all your memories and all your history and knew everything about you do you still exist is it still is is the clone you no because it hasn't i don't think it is because it hasn't had the same it hasn't experienced the same experiences as you although it remembers it them has... it didn't physically go through them yeah, but it still remembers them okay so if you slowly over time replace everything in your body so so it's like right i need a new arm so i get a new arm get a new another arm get a new leg got all the rest yeah. of this right and and everything's been replaced except your brain mm-hmm. are you still you because that whole body that you just talked about hasn't experienced any of those experiences that you but you've still got the same brain that the clone would have is it still you mm. well yeah i mean there's it's interesting because our body is like the cells in our bodies regenerate every like uh, is it seven years i think maybe and like uh i think it's seven years um but yeah my my friend said uh he was 
talking to a girl and she said uh like oh i don't think i can talk to you because you used to go out with this person who i'm friends with and he was like obviously that was that's an annoying triggering thing to say because like they went out when they were at school like it was years ago it's like stupid to even like what are we 12 but um his response was like well you know human cells like regenerate every like seven years so technically i've never even met her (laughs) 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 yeah i thought that was pretty good um but yeah that's a good answer kind of to the question is like well technically i guess that version of you hasn't really met her i suppose but because you have the memories of your time with that person you have so but then if you would make me say then, then, then the clone, the cl- the, like, if you could clone, clone completely, cl- right? So let's let, let's say they fig- figured out teleportation. I think they mentions this. This the is book. in the book. Yeah, this is the example right. he gives in the book, if which is really good. Teleportation, and you want to go to China from 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 the UK, and you want to get there in thirty seconds. So what they do is they put you in a machine that literally clones you, completely clones you from start to finish. Here, all same human tissue and everything, and you don't even know any difference. So what happens? You're here. And then all of a sudden you're in China, right? Yeah. But really what they're doing is they're cloning you in China and then they're blowing your fucking brains out at the other end and you don't know they're doing that. And then they're scrapping your meat and whatever. Scrapping your meat. Yeah. Is, it, is that still you? Is it still you at the other end? Because you don't know that you've been cloned. And the same as if you did a clone of somebody's brain and somebody's memories, would it be them or would it be a clone? Or wouldn't it, I, this is where it got me. It was so like, what the yeah. fuck? Yeah. I don't, it, it's so hard to answer. So uh, the, the, thing i would return with is maybe like for example you said about um so my point is about the experience so the thing if you can remember being going through those things Mm -hmm. like going through your life then that's one thing but physically going through them is a different thing so that's where i have an issue with the clone thing because the clone hasn't lived your life to that point because it was created because you've only lived your life because of your memories not because of your body in a way but could you can you not like look at your arm and see a scar on your arm and be like i got that scar that when clone i could do the exact same thing you could look at my arm and say okay i've got that scar there why have i got that yeah scar? well it got that scar because it was a clone version of a person that lived through that experience it remembers it the same way you do yeah but if you for example uh like um so if the i thought of a good analogy for this and it kind of disappeared out of my mind if the say like you had a memory of going to china yep um yeah let's say your parents said to you oh you were born in china Mm -hmm. um and then we moved to the uk when you were really young um and then it turned out that they were fucking with you but you your like life story when you think about it you're like oh i was born in china this is my like early years in china people fabricate memories all the time of their childhood and you fabricated these memories of you being in china like that wouldn't really change do you know what i mean like your experience you wouldn't have actually ever have been there but no, just because there. of those memories you thought you did yeah, but that's 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 not the point is are you st- is it still you or is it not you are, are you your but, mind but if you're saying you mind and body together or just your mind okay well i was focusing on the memories part because a lot of human memories are false yeah which was my which was my point is that like if that's why the physical experience of being in that place is more important than the memories okay because you live right here and now and because you were like you actually in that airspace you know, right. rather than another one then right so you've got these tentacles in the middle of your head yeah so you chop the tentacles in half and your right side of your brain and your, your left side of your brain work independently, yeah? That's what he's saying in the book, yeah? It's called the split brain, right? Mm-hmm. They work completely independently, don't know anything else. Right, so you then have another body over here, right? And you arrange a brain transplant from this head here. You set the right side of my brain and you go and stick it in this other body over there, right? Okay. Which one's me? Right. So the, again, yeah, that's which side of the brain is is you, right? Which one is uh, me? Which one is it? Because if, uh, if 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 I damaged the left side of my brain, and only the right still existed, you'd still say that I was me. But if I replaced, took the left and put it in a different body, would you still say the right side was me or the left side or both? The original, the new one, which one's which? Yeah. Yeah, it's nuts. 
It's crazy. It's, it's, I don't, it's amazing. It's a fantastic because it's the same as what he's basically saying is like it's an illusion that you're you live in your brain. It's an illusion. Like you don't. Like you you are something different. And whether that is like you know if you lose your arm and then get and you know get a a fake arm like is is it that the same as losing a part of your brain you know is is it you're still the same sort of whole aren't you like but you don't exist in your brain which is like the most insane thing from this book really i think yeah, this book really gets you thinking about weird shit doesn't it? and it also makes you think about free will because do you have free will if, i don't know if your brain is split you know like and one side does one thing and one side does the other. Like what, what's telling it? What's telling the right side to do? Do you know what I mean? If, yeah, you haven't got the free will. Nobody, well, you think you, you can't in you that. If, yeah. If it's, an, around, it's an illusion. If I turn around and said to you right now, yeah, I want you to sit completely free of thought for a full minute without thinking about anything at all. Mm -hmm. Are you going to get your, uh, are you going to get shot in the head? Right? Yeah you definitely would get shot in the head. Do you think? I think everyone on planet Earth would get shot in the head. Yeah. So you're not... I don't think anyone could do that. Thinking. No. It's fucking it awesome. Because like, like the key of meditation, people like misrepresent meditation as being like, you don't think anything. But it's actually being like, it's like not dwelling on the thought. It's just like seeing the thought as like a separate entity. I See, I haven't... Uh, have you... You've been trying meditation, right? When you were reading this book you tried it a few times i mean i know it takes years of practice to get good at it but did you notice anything when you were meditating about that like no, the thoughts I, I always end up thinking about shit yeah. and then i have to keep resetting and resetting and resetting and resetting over and over and over and over again and then my mind starts wondering all of shit and then it was doing things like say in when you breathe in and out when you breathe out and only focus on saying in and out but then you're thinking about in and out and then you start imagining people walking indoors and coming out of houses and then he's trying doing it with numbers with one in and two out and and it's still the same fucking thing you can't you're still focusing on a thing aren't you you're focusing on a thought and you, like, because you, you have to know what one is and two you have to know what in is and out is but so even that's... if i'm doing the one and the two i still end up thinking about certain things to do once and twos like stories come to me every all the time i'm thinking about stupid little things that probably don't make any sense to anyone else um but i would i, I yeah just I, I, I couldn't i can't do it without not thinking i'm still doing it I'm doing it every single day i've even bought an app paid for it for a year i thought you know what? i'm gonna try and see if i can do this shit but yeah i think three, it's really good i think it's one of those things is is almost impossible for me I think it gets, it's one of those things where it gets better. What I actually found, so I really struggled to do meditation alone, but I've actually found myself in extremely, like I would say close to being in a meditative state in a group, which I've actually heard is, that's how it should be. Like it's actually easier to meditate in a group than it is. I think that. it'd be harder because I'd be self-conscious about whether other people were looking at me or what they were thinking or what they were thinking about what you were doing and what they, you were thinking about. And, and, and yeah, I mean, even like if I'm in my house and I was meditating, I'd be paranoid. My missus is going to come up and slap me in the face because that's the kind of just stupid shit we do to each other. Uh, yeah. like no, not, not in an abusive relationship way, just like you're fucking about and then she'd run off. Tell um, it to the judge. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, no, I know what you mean, but apparently apparently because because of like the collective like uh like social pressure and stuff like that, if you're all doing it at the same time, it makes you feel like because you're part of a whole and humans love that, don't we? Like being part of the group, it actually helps, which explains it because I thought the same as you. I was like, how would this I should be more self conscious than I am, but I wasn't. But it wasn't a karate class, so we're all dressed the same. We're all like practicing the same moves. We're not really talking. We're doing lots of like deep breathing, physical exercise, stuff like that. I guess that helps with focusing your mind, doesn't it? And like mental focus and meditation kind of goes together. But when we meditated as a big group, I remember the, um, it wasn't guided. It was literally just like, he would say like the word of just like basically like have a moment of like contemplation. And he just extended it for two minutes or three minutes. I, I, time disappeared it was like taking a drug like the, i time dilated i could have been there for 20 25 minutes i had no idea and i really just went away 
it just went away in my own head. It was really weird. Very strange experience. I've never been able to achieve it again either. It was just one time. I've got like fairly close in classes since that, but that was like the one time. It was really strange. Hard mm -hmm. to even describe. It I was just love, yeah, do that, just disappear in my head and just I guess that's called yeah. schizophrenia. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that split brain thing and schizophrenia is kind of as an interesting argument for that kind of thing. So what what were the key things you got from the book? I mean, one of the biggest ones was the difference between a cult and a religion, just numbers. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He talks a lot about even even uh, the people that go to like get spiritual training without that religious dogma. They go and seek out these gurus in India and, and um, uh, in Nepal and places like that. And there are a lot of bad gurus out there. There's a lot of shards. Yeah, like, I want to fuck your wife and shit like that. And it's like, okay, I believe in you. You can, and it's like, obviously he's tricking you, you dickhead. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it, it's rough, isn't it? It, you, it? From the outside in, you're like, how did this even happen? But, <laughs> but there's, I don't know, but it happens even in non-spiritual contexts. Like, um, there's people joke about like, oh, you start doing jujitsu with your girlfriend and like she gets a blue belt before you and starts fucking your coach. Like that's like kind of like a common thing. Um, <laughs> and it is just like a power relationship thing, isn't it? I guess. Yeah, I guess. Um, because you like really respect them as well. So, but I think meditation, I, th I, th I think that the split brain thing was the biggest thing I got from this book. The split brain, under trying, I, I actually started to do a little bit of research into it and look into it because I was like, no fucking way is this true. And then it started making me ask questions like, so I'm a me, I'm a my body, I'm a my mind. If you cloned me, would I be, which one would I be? If, if you bought, if you had two versions, if you went, if you could clone my brain completely and, and then put my brain into a new body, would I still be me? If I needed yeah. a full body, everything transplant, my brain, my brain went into a robot, would that robot still be me or would I no longer exist? And then yeah. if, you lose, if you lose all your memories and you, 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 you forget everything that's ever happened, then are you still you or are you just, meat she doesn't uh, look like you yeah it doesn't it's like all of a sudden it's like holy shit man everything but then like you, not you looking like you is just kind of that's you from the version of other people because you can never really see your head did you read the story in the book about the guy that um when people used to ask him uh, what you teach he just used to raise his finger um yeah. somebody asked the boy a little boy as well what does your master teach and the boy raised his finger the same and yeah. the master heard about it and cut the kid's finger off. <laughs> mm -hmm. And apparently yeah. the boy was enlightened by this. Well, no, he had his finger cut off and then they asked him what did, um, what, you know, what does your master teach you? And then in that moment, the boy became enlightened, I guess because he wasn't focusing on the finger anymore. You know I mean? He actually was focusing on the teachings. I think I read it different. I thought he raised his finger because that's what the master used to do. when they Yes, asked he was off. copying the master. And so, that's all he, he was getting, you know, the Bruce Lee line where he's like, when you point at the moon, okay. some people yeah. just focus on the finger and not the moon. Like that's well, kind yeah. of. So the kid was, ah, now I understand it a little bit more. It makes sense. I at think the time, that's I kind of what he was saying. Motherfucker. But Cause there was another what? great. Go on. Um, there was another great um, story in there about the, the, something about the Buddha and like a man gets, gets shot with a poison arrow. And uh, the poison is killing him. And um, the men rush into a physician and the doctor like says to him, um, you know, the doctor's trying to extract the arrow and give him the antidote, but the man keeps stopping him and saying, like, ah, oh, tell me what type of arrow is it? What what horse was the man riding that shot me? Who was the man that shot me? Like, what was he doing? And the whole sort of point of the analogy is like we don't realize people in day-to-day -day life don't realize the predicament that we're in, that we're all dying. We've all been shot by that poison arrow the second that we're born, and we just spend too much time asking stupid questions like who cares what color the horse it was that the guy was riding when he shot you with the arrow it doesn't really matter what matters is like the here and now and like you know yeah he does that a lot don't he throughout he said in fact he, one of his sayings is there uh our minds are all we have all we have yeah. ever had and all we will ever have sam harris so that's that's his, his speech our minds are all we have all we have ever had and all we will ever have. I, I thought yeah. that was fucking I can, brilliant because I can see else... why he pisses off religious people. <laughs> it's like in the absolute opposite of that. Yeah, but it's true. I, I agree. Yeah, with it. it is kind of true. Like it's it's all you could ever prove that you have as well. Well, everything yeah, about because of the spiritual, 
because the spiritual nature of like even if you believe that you have like there's some higher power that's doing certain things for you you know what you could never prove that it's doing anything the only thing you could prove is from you like your perspective so that is in your mind it's the only thing that could yeah that, that one saying there the mind is all you have all you will ever have all you've ever had and all you will ever have right it kind of sticks with me the way the one do you remember when we read the one thing and it mm. basically said if you don't look after your body i think it was the one thing that this was in if you don't look after your body where are you going to live and as soon as i read it it was it stuck with me because it was like okay shit yeah because everything that we have our cars our houses our money our bank accounts our fucking crypto our investments and all the other shit that we've got and we've collected over the years they mean jack shit to anyone ever the only thing you've got is what's in your head and once that gets switched off everything else that you've ever built created or done it used to piss me off when i was younger when i was trying to make money and i was trying to be, do become successful it used to wind me up when somebody died and i always used to say it i remember saying it to my mum when i was really young it's like it's fucking it's ridiculous that as soon as that person dies their earning potential dies with them right and it used to piss me off because like people like tupac had get shot and die and it's like fuck me his earning potential was so ridiculous and he's died and it's gone and, and it's like and i'm still trying to get rich um and it used to drive me insane when when people that had that earning potential died because it was like all oh, that earning potential has been wasted now that they've died and i wasn't bothered about them dying i was more bothered that their earning potential had died with them and why can't that's i have an interesting way of looking at it they used to drive me nuts it used to do me in, and it was that that was one of the things and i remember saying it to people and people were like why the fuck do you think like that it's like because i'm always trying to make money and it used to drive me insane that people who had the great earning potential, and then as you start to get a bit older, you realize, all right, that earning potential is not really that important, especially when you look at it from a perspective of mind and brain. But I guess it is that important as well. In yeah. Later. Yeah, I think it, it depends, obviously, the context and where you're looking from it from, because I guess like the parents of these people that died young probably would rather them never get famous at all just to definitely yeah look at him existing if she, she she wouldn't have been able to afford to take as much smoking smack and drink as she was if she hadn't been rich yeah still around people still yeah see people it. see like rich and happiness and like oh you know like tupac died young but man did he live it's like yeah he did but i i don't know i i think maybe if you asked him he'd probably be like oh, i'd rather just be what do you, do you, know, do you remember the book we did with naval ravikant Mm -hmm. And he was explaining that it doesn't really matter how long you're here, whether you're here for a day or a week or a month or a year or 500 years. The time that you're here, you've only got the here and now and you don't have anything before or anything after. Um, so dying young is not really a good or a bad thing. It's just a thing that happens. And I think when he was saying that, it kind of resonated with me a bit like, okay, yeah, it doesn't matter if I live another five years or if I live another 500 years or if I live another five minutes because the second you're dead, you don't have the here and now anymore. And that's the only thing you're losing is the here and now yeah yeah it's true yeah i was watching a thing on tv the other day they were like looking at dna tests and like, they were dna testing people that said like that their parents had died but they had a suspicion that like their mom hadn't died or something like that and they basically this woman had been told that her mom had died in the war um in the second world war but actually she just left the just basically her mom and dad had divorced but her dad had told her that her mom had died and um she'd gone off and ended up having another family so this woman discovered in her like late 80s that she had sisters and nieces and like and that her mum lived until like the she i think her mum died in the 60s or 70s or something so another like 30 years of her mum's life that she knew nothing about she'd never even seen a picture of her mum and she found all of that stuff in her late 80s and like we're talking about like the here and now people when they get older i think they like to i think it's natural that they live in the past because there's not a lot happening in the yeah. present uh, it's not that there's not a lot happening it's that i mean i think we, we more live in the future everybody's always like this is this is this is why retirement's such a big uh hack it's like a it's, it's a bullshit that, that everybody aims towards because it's like okay if you waste all of your present time for the next 30 40 years working your ass off doing this one thing that's kind of irrelevant when you're 65 you'll own a house and a car and you'll have a retirement fund that you'll be able to enjoy your life but in most cases you're too fucking sick anyway by then or in most cases as soon as you stop and you switch your brain off from the here and now then people they say as soon as you retire you die because a lot of people literally sit around and don't do much after they retire because that's kind of what's expected and i feel like 
I feel like a lot of people live for the future, but even when they get to the future, they're still living for the future. Yeah, but that's what I mean about the older people. I, I would argue that the the people who have retired and they're in that they're they're having that sort of like small death, as you would call it. Like they're they are just living in like what happened to them in the past. You know, sometimes when I, I speak to old people, they they talk about times. You know, they they don't say like, oh, you know, in in like fifty years, I wonder what the world's going to be like. They're not talking about that kind of stuff because that that isn't a reality for them. Because yeah. they know that it's kind of it's kind of so the young living in the called future off. and the old living the past, and we yeah, should because, all live in the here and now. Yeah, because I think yeah, I think young people can see the train tracks in front of them, and they know that that's where they're going, and like the old people can see the train tracks behind them, and they know that the end of the line is coming. So they are looking back rather than at the end of the line, because that would be quite painful. I can imagine to look at that. But yeah, and it's interesting that this woman is then like, you know, I was just thinking about the past, and now I have so much to live for in the last few years of my life. And I was like, that is actually fascinating. Like when you think about it, can you imagine like having the experience of like getting to know like your parents, like getting to know one of your parents, but like in your eighties, such a weird scenario to happen. I guess. Yeah. But she was, her parent was dead once she, so she never gets to know the real, or just the, what was left. Yeah, but like the stories about her and stuff like that, she wouldn't know anything about her before. Like, yeah, she's she had a whole other family to get to know. She had like nieces and great nieces, and like she'd be like going to weddings of family members that she didn't even know like a year before. It's crazy. Um, I guess you get that as soon as you marry someone else, though, don't you? You move into their family tree and become, oh my god, I've got a big family now. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool pretty cool um also talking about we were talking about like free will and you mentioned about putting a brain in a robot i actually watched the new uh, movie it came out yesterday called the creator um and it's like it's like a humans versus ai kind of story is you know the cinema yes okay go on yeah interesting story but there's like a in it um spoiler alert if anyone was thinking of watching it um (laughs) you should if you're thinking of watching it i think it's like Really beautiful, very beautiful movie. Aesthetically, you're gonna ruin the movie because I really want to watch it now. You've just told me about it. You're not going to ruin the movie, are you? Uh, I wouldn't like ruin the whole movie, but I would ruin like some of it. Some of it. All right, I can I can hold off. I can just tell you. But basically, the the thing I'm trying to say is that the there I heard, I think it was Sam Harris talking actually about this, not about the movie, but he's talking about free will an AI and he says about how AI would only have to be believably conscious in the same way that we look at ourselves and we're like, you know, Oh, that person's like conscious and that person isn't like, or sorry, that person's conscious because they're just another person just like me. We can't really prove that they're conscious or not. We just, they just look it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they sound it. An AI would only have to trick us that it, that it's conscious rather than actually be conscious. So even if robots can never become conscious, it doesn't really matter. They'd only have to appear conscious for us to raise the question, is that thing conscious? And as soon as we do that, it might as well be. Um, yeah, and in the genius. Have you seen Extinction with Michael Penner? Uh, no. Netflix. If you like that sort of crazy shit, you'll like that. That's really good. I'm not going to say nothing about it because it's fucking awesome. Yeah. It's pretty good. I liked it. Um, but the, the point I was going to make about in the... Um, in the movie an event happens which is uh blamed on the ai robots yeah and um it ha- half of the world sees it as like don't oh this is the film i don't want to know i'm gonna no this is this isn't ruining the film okay go on. um so an event happens which uh is blamed on the robots and the um that I thought it was quite interesting because when you look at it from that perspective of like, are they conscious? Well, it doesn't matter whether they're conscious or not because they've just, they could well have just tricked people into thinking they're conscious. They're built to become, to appear conscious. So, um, but what that does is gives them agency so they can be blamed for it because a robot is created by a person. Ah. So realistically, you'd, you'd say like, you know, well, the person that programmed them is the problem cause the problem but because they're 
because the AI is designed to seem conscious, it's easy to then give the AI agency and say, well, no, they did it deliberately. Yep. Because but you believe they're conscious, but nobody knows. It's what like almost is. like it's almost like a chicken and egg thing. And could you then posit the same way with human beings and God? Could you say that? Could you say that whenever a uh, could you say that if we don't have free will, do we actually evil as we like an act of evil, Hitler or whatever? Could you say, well, it's not really Hitler's fault? because he doesn't he's not really choosing what if you believe that we were created i know that um, there's like a we were created with free will but if free will doesn't exist which we can kind of prove that free will doesn't exist because i don't choose when i'm hungry i don't choose when i'm thirsty my body does a million things without me even knowing it's doing it i'm not aware of like my digestion for example um well i know, I, I don't think there's any such thing could we really could we really blame these things on the on these people rather than just be like oh and i said to i was talking to alex earlier and i said like you know if you, let's say we have a psychopath if you could cure psychopathy like we can cure another disease uh, or an, an illness if we could cure it like we could cure an illness we wouldn't blame anyone for doing anything psychopathic because we would just blame the illness it's like people that have Alzheimer's and spit in other people's faces and do stuff like that. We know that really that's not what they, you know. It's not their fault. Just, it's not their fault. They're just ill. They've just got a problem. They're just not, they've got a programming error, so to speak. And uh, yeah, could if we, in the future, if we are able to cure people being psychopaths, then is that something that we'll look at? We'll look at things in the past and go, well, they did that because they're a psychopath. Like they had these No, because issues. not all psychopaths, but some of them just enjoy other people's pain. It's not that they're actual. So you, mm. so, so, so you might be able to cure them being a psychopath, but they're still going to enjoy other people being in pain. Are they not? Which means they are still inherently evil because you've, you've, you've cured the empathy side, which means that they, the, the psychopath side, which is the, the, they can't feel empathy for other people. Right. But if they enjoy, the, the, I think the mix between the two, I, I could be wrong, is that they. I don't really know. I was using it as an example. Yeah. And the, but they they all they, they've got a mixture of not having any empathy, and they've also got a mixture of enjoying uh, other people's pain. Whereas, okay. would they still not have the empathy? Would they still have the if they even if they had the empathy, would they get enjoyment out of? So what they do is they'd hurt other people, but then they feel bad about it rather than hurting other people and not giving a fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but then but then like almost like a Pavlov's dog situation. If you don't, if you're not getting the positive stimulus you just stop doing it wouldn't you i guess well then they, then they'd starve to death and die and stop fucking like they did with the rats that they blocked the dopamine receptors because if they mm. enjoy it you block their dopamine receptors they stop eating they stop breathing they stop doing all the other shit that they do and they just die whereas yeah. if they if, if you so to, to, to cure that to block their dopamine receptors so that they'd stop enjoying people's pain you would then kill them yeah but i guess that depends on how you do it because if you block all of their dopamine. We have no idea what we're talking about, do we? <laughs> no, we don't. We don't. We are. This is such bro science. Um, but interestingly, talking about that whole element of enjoying other people's pain, like their their, obs- their subjective experience of enjoying it. Can you choose what you enjoy and what you don't enjoy? No. Okay. Like, so really, does that mean that these people are evil at all, or they're just doing what they enjoy, which is almost at what everyone's sort of right, you know? I enjoy junk food and I really don't want to enjoy it. I want to no. enjoy healthy food. So I guess. Exactly. Yeah. We're yeah. It's pretty weird, isn't it? When you look at it from that perspective, it like takes yeah. the agency away from the person. And I'm not, I'm not saying that that's something that I do or something that everyone should do, but I don't know. I think it's worth thinking about at least. This has been a trippy little podcast today, hasn't it? Talking yeah, I've quite enjoyed it. Yeah, man. I have as well. What about the book? Did you enjoy the book? Would you recommend the yeah, book? Yeah, I, I would recommend the book. It teaches some pretty cool stuff about, um, how to get started with meditation too so if it's something that you are thinking about doing um starting a meditation habit then yeah i think this is a good book to read before that as well because it tries to define things like consciousness and have those debates and i think it's important to know what you're looking for um because then you'll be able to identify it 
I was a bit bored until I got to the split brain. And then I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then I started to actually pay more attention to what he was talking about. Yeah. I started asking questions. That's why I wrote down them questions. Like if you get your brain and, and then if you split your brain, because it works in two separate, put it into two separate bodies, which one's you? That's like, the, that's the unanswerable question. Yeah. If you basically, if you, if you, if you split your head and, you, and if, if they both work independently, like completely independently, where one doesn't remember what the other one's done and one doesn't, and, and, and vice versa, then if you split your brain and then move one half into another head, you kind of, which one's you? Nobody can answer that shit because well, there's both a you lot have. of, yeah. I mean, a lot of, a lot of this book is about unanswerable questions really. Um, and I think that a lot, his argument is that for the whole of time, like people have just said, because Jesus, <laughs> because well, God did, did it. Did you get the paperback version? Yeah, I've got the paperback version. Right, let me nick that off you next week because I want Cameron to read this because this is the type of book where because he always asks me questions that don't have answers and I'm always like, okay. he's, he's yeah. like, he's, he's on it. I think he'll love this. Um, I'll grab it off you next week. Yeah, sure, no probs. Um, yeah, good book. I, I would, I would recommend it. Also, his like uh, experience when he's talking about like bad gurus and um, his experience with like traveling around and seeking spirituality. Like he was 20 years old and doing like year-long retreats into like crazy parts of the mountains in nepal and living with hermits and all this crazy shit so that stuff is super interesting to find out about anyway he's a very interesting guy um i've listened to a few of his podcasts and uh stuff like that it's important i think to listen to his perspective i think he's got a good perspective yeah i thought it was a pretty cool dude i like the book enjoyed it i thought if you want to be if you want to think about shit that you can't answer and to get yourself confused, yeah. then definitely. Or if you want to do, if you want to do a load of psychedelics, also the last chapter is like pretty good for anyone who fancies doing a bit of. Every time we talk about exploration, to check magic mushroom <laughs> map, Mate, the magic mushroom map. You sign up for it. It's what you, you sign up. They're for out it. there. It's the right time of year. It's not for down here, though, is it? Do you remember when I showed you when we was in Fingy and it's like, it's not for down yeah, here. north and gradually comes down to the south. It's, if you look, I don't know if you can see the map there. Let me zoom in a bit. That's a map of the UK. And if you look where we are, they're just about starting to come down now. Ireland are all tripping the tits off now. And the top yeah, Ireland, Ireland are wigging out. And Scotland are on a mission and Manchester's got them now, but just moving down <laughs> to where we are in the south coast. Scotland are tripping. Be, yeah, and I'll be going out with a fucking bin bag and getting loads of them. Um, um, what a sight that would be! Yeah, make sure make sure you tell me when you're doing that so I can like <laughs> lock my doors. <laughs> uh, right, well, awesome podcast. Definitely recommend the book. Um, and I don't know what we're doing next week, so we'll find out. But I will yeah. just say we'll see you all next week. Yeah, see you then. Cheers. Later's bye. -bye. bye.